Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in and spending your time with us. Welcome to a new episode of Crave Arts Presents the Future of Film, featuring intimate interviews with the best student filmmakers from around the world. My name is Tom Oliva, and I am co-founder and executive director of Crave Arts and the All-American High School Film Festival, the premier destinations for emerging student filmmakers all over the world. Today, I am joined by festival alumni from 2013, Emily Cohn, to dig deep into what drives this emerging filmmaker. Emily was part of our very first festival, all the way back in 2013. And she was a big part of helping us affirm our belief that the future of film was bright and that talented young filmmakers needed our support and recognition. Emily's early films were full of strong and engaging female characters, navigating complicated relationships and coming of age in a world rife with uncertainty. Her film Pierced, still a personal favorite and winner of our very first Best Drama Award, explored the complex dynamic between two friends going in very different directions. The fantastic screenplay and overall production offer a window into a real and relatable world, one filled with both darkness and light. It was clear from Emily's earliest work that she had the rare gift of marrying passion with talent, vision with creation. And based on her continued efforts and success, it is clear that her fire for filmmaking burns as bright as ever. Please welcome an original All-American, Emily Cohn. Hi, Emily. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for that very beautiful introduction. <laughs> uh, Well-deserved. Um, and thank you for being one of the earliest signs that this organization had a need and that our mission would ultimately become fulfilled thanks to sort of our trailblazers like yourself. Um, thanks for making our first festival back in 2013, eight years ago now, um, a success. And I, I suppose I sh should begin by apologizing for calling you a student filmmaker. I guess that's not really accurate anymore, is it? Not at this point. I mean, I guess in some ways I, I still sort of feel like one, and I mean that in like the best way possible. Um, just because like, I feel like indie film and student film, it's, it sizes up, but the, you know, the energy behind it is similar, I'd say. Yeah, and I think I think artists and 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 just sort of in general curious people are always students. Um, and so I certainly wouldn't mind, I guess, if someone called me a student. I feel like that when I stop learning and stop feeling that way, maybe then something might be wrong. So um, I guess it's a compliment uh, in many ways as well. Then so let's let that be an introduction into my first question for you. Um, where are you right now and what are you up to? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I feel like my days are my days and weeks and months just vary so greatly in like, you know, the big sweeping bullet point news alert. So, you know, my last few months I premiered my first feature film, uh, at the Tribeca film festival. From there I got, uh, manager and agents and since then it's been kind of you know turning the wheels trying to get my next narrative projects going and in between all that i work any amount of freelance jobs um i live at home so my expenses are low and i have been doing i did two music videos that came out last month um 
yeah, I'm like finishing a draft of a second feature script. I pitched a TV show to Netflix last month too. That was really exciting. Um, and now I'm working on a pitch deck for another movie for an open directing assignment. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so do you find time to eat and sleep with all of this going on or is, is, it, <laughs> is it pretty all consuming? Um, I've, I've found a healthy balance for now, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that I don't socialize that much. I'll say that, but yeah. Fair enough. So you are all consumed by your passion for telling stories. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I think it should be people like you who are all consumed, if anyone, because you're really good at it. And I, I definitely want to hear more about these projects. Um, so you said you're, you're living at home. Where is home? I live in New York City. I grew up in New York City. I'm living with my mom and our two cats and our dog. Um, so I'm I'm extremely lucky to be in one of the cities where it is. Obviously, there's a lot of film happening here, and I get to PA on other sets. And like you said, always being a student, like I was just PAing on this feature doc, and someone asked me on the set, like, "Oh, do you like do you not like PAing anymore? Because you've been directing a lot more." And it's like. I, I love peeing. I love, they were shooting on film, which I haven't, I don't think I've been on a set. I've used a Bolex camera before, like myself. I haven't been on a set like that size that was shooting on film. So it's like, I was learning about that and every set, every set is different. So yeah, living in New York is, is a cool opportunity to be in places like that and have those jobs. Sure. Um, absolutely. And it's, it's nice to, that you recognize that you're lucky to be in a place where there's sort of things happening actively all the time around you and, and opportunities to pursue your craft. Um, so you said that you, you love being a PA. Um, I think that's really important for our audience and our community to hear that, you know, obviously your aspirations are probably not to be a PA forever, but you recognize the value of those experiences. Um, is it is it that simple? Is it just that being on set allows you to grow in in many ways, or, or what is it specifically that you're willing to embrace about a role that I think for a lot of people maybe isn't the, the glamorous thing they they aim to achieve ultimately? Yeah, I mean it's definitely it's definitely not glamorous. I think I think it's also balancing out. Like I was a PA on. Uh, when they see us, I filled in for some people and like, that's, that's a great experience to see a bigger budget thing. But I also, the thing that I've come to appreciate is like working, if you're working as a PA, it's really nice to be on a smaller set because then you're actually getting tasked with more than just like locking down a street or like standing outside where like, if you're that far away from the action, maybe you're not learning the most. So just being like conscious of what you are saying yes to and like if you have one type of experience try to get something else and like it, it is easy to get locked into a PA experience where like you're really only just standing outside and not learning everything so I think if if you find yourself stuck in that try to get try to be in a position where like there are people who are like mentoring you or being you know generous about teaching you new things and giving you a leg up because yeah, you don't want to get stuck in it. But besides that, like I, I love, I love learning, trying to learn every other possible position on a film set. Very valuable advice. Um, and 
You mentioned people. Um, I would imagine that's a big part of the experience as well. Um, relationships that you form. Do you, do you find that you know these experiences again maybe a little less glamorous than than you might want, but that you're finding relationships there that lead to other things? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I'm all about. I just, especially like long hours. I feel like it's goes for like any industry, but it's like you want to be working with people that you love, good people, and like I've. I've definitely been so lucky to have just so many amazing friends. And I, you know, I actually, I was going to have a, uh, I've done this like once or twice so far, but like just like a soul maker mixer kind of thing at my house where it's like, I get to meet all these other people and I want them all to meet each other. And this is like everyone from actors to production designers to other directors, writers, everything. Um, I was going to do that tonight, but obviously given the coronavirus, everything I'm, I postponed it, but uh, I just think that, yeah, that's, that is like the most important, the people that you know and who you like to work with and keeping on with the people you like to work with. Of course. And uh, well, let me just say um, when the virus uh, eventually, um, hopefully sooner than later um, works its way through our world and you do have this mixer, I would love to attend and be a part of it and say hello to some of these wonderful folks because. Oh yeah, please. Awesome. Um, I, I hope to get that invite. And and I have to say, it's really... I'll send it right when we finish. <laughs> Sweet. I, I mean, for now, I delayed it two weeks. I don't know. I don't know if that'll change or not, but yeah. Yeah, that seems to be sort of uh, what's on everyone's radar is like this two-week period. I hope so. And I, I certainly appreciate days like today when it's 65 degrees plus in our area. And hopefully, you know, viruses are getting beaten by Mother Nature, um, if not other yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but I was, I was going to say, I love that you mentioned the, the, such a positive, uh, relationship with the industry, right? Because I think so many people, or at least the, the public persona of the film industry is that it's like the sinister thing. And I know that it can be, but you're talking about valuable relationships and being around people you love. And I've heard that, you know, we're, we're six or seven interviews in with alumni at this point for this podcast series. And everyone is saying that they're saying I get to work with people I love and, and maybe it's just because you're not so deep into it yet, but I find that really refreshing. I mean, I can definitely say like this last year has been a real education and like the real like heart and meat of the industry. And I've, I've gotten to meet a lot of people who I'm like, this is great. I'd love to work with them. But I also, there is like, it's hard too. Like there's definitely, there's a lot of politics involved, like a lot of delays, patience and all that. Um, and obviously like, I also want to be in a position where eventually me and my friends are all getting paid, you know, an, an amount that can sustain us, which like that also hasn't happened. But for now we're all working with like the passion and persistence that, you know, you've talked about and that's important and it'll, all, it'll all come in due time. I believe that. I believe that too. Um, and, you know, we are certainly doing whatever we can as an organization promoting emerging filmmakers to help people recognize um, that this is a really valuable community and that you need the support that you deserve. Um, and, and speaking of your passion, tell me about this film Crushed and this Tribeca premiere. Um, I don't even know where to start. I guess, like, where did that, this is your most successful venture thus far, I imagine? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And it was not, I, I didn't set out to make, like, I didn't set out to make anything in particular. It was, and I should also, I'll just backtrack and just say, like, yes, I'm 
you know, what you are doing is so important. And I'm so grateful because that early vote of confidence from my short film winning there was like, you know, I really needed that at that point in my life. Um, uh, and that kind of connects to crush too, which is, I, I really did not have an easy time my freshman year in college. And I was a freshman in college and I'd come back. I'd made that short film in high school and I came back to New York for the festival. And that was a very nice uh, escape from college at the time. Um, but yeah, so crushed. I, I wrote it my senior year of college for a class and my screenwriting professor who was amazing was basically just like, you know, it's set here. You should just make it. And he knew that I had done film production in the past. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I should. Um, and that sort of just, you know, spiraled into like going through the motions of pre-production, which I, I knew from short films. And I was always like my own producer, just like, you know, casting, figuring stuff out. Um, but this, as it, as it slowly came together, I was like, oh shit, this is, uh, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. But <laughs> it's I was like, a, oh, you're not the is... first. It's okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, it was taking it one step at a time. It was figuring out like, you know, who is going to be on campus over the summer. I was working for my film professors for that next semester. So I basically had like a faculty ID, which gave me access to buildings and equipment. I pitched the film to Canon who gave us free equipment. Um, and, you know, we had like a handful of uh, I would say we have basically like our sound person was the main like professional person on set and everyone else was under 22. Um, I cast the three lead girls in New York from different circles, like, uh, you know, LaGuardia casting call backstage, et cetera. And then everyone else who was acting was either uh, doubling as crew or I was talking to like local Cleveland playhouses because we filmed at Oberlin college, which is where I went to school. Um, I guess that's like the, and then it was like, I edited it. Uh, it was like 15 months of post learning that whole process, tons of feedback screenings. Um, and obviously getting into Tribeca, that was like, you know, a life goal that <laughs> I accomplished way sooner than I thought would, would happen. And, yeah. and, and media attention followed and all of these wonderful things that to be perfectly honest, put you back on my radar. Um, you're a filmmaker yeah. that, that honestly, like, never leaves my mind as part of the organization because I've used Pierce as a teaching tool uh, for, for many years, ever, ever since it first came oh, through. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, I, I, wow, that's wild. Yeah, it's, oh, your, your film is, uh, and Let's Play also, which I, I shouldn't neglect, but, but Pierce is, offers such a wonderful vehicle for teaching techniques. Um, and, and one of the things that, that we really teach more than anything else is story. Um, so really the mm -hmm. screenplay and your use of character and conflict in that film and what is essentially a, a, a very simple character and conflict dilemma, um, but layered with complexities that I think make the film just really, really good um, for other emerging filmmakers to learn from. Um, so uh, no need to thank me there. I should be thanking you for, surpri uh, <laughs> for providing such a rich tapestry for me to work with. Um, I, I'm just, I'm so in awe of your accomplishments with this film. Why was this story crushed? Why was this a story that you needed to tell? And I, I shouldn't neglect everything that you said about how you worked independently to bring this together. I think that's very important for our audience to hear. 
But but why mm. why did you want to tell this story? And and perhaps because our audience can't just like go out and see it right now, um, tell us a, a quick you know rundown of what the story actually is. Yeah, um, hopefully it's going to be online come April uh, TBD. But yeah, Crushed follows a college freshman who is trying to get into an exclusive crush party, which is this invite-only party where like, if someone has a crush on you, they can submit you, you get a notification that you've been crushed. And then the idea is you go and find who that person is. She wants to lose her virginity. It's the last night of school before uh, summer break. Um, yeah, that, so that's that's kind of the bust one. Um, but yeah, like I said, I definitely was not super happy my freshman year and just really felt like everyone had it figured out. And I didn't, especially when it came to like romance and flirting and relationships. Um, so that was something that I knew I wanted to explore and female friendship, which is just always interesting to me. And beyond that, the other thing that I've really been uh, exploring with all, most of my filmmaking the last like five years is just like how online interactions are portrayed in movies. Because you know, I try to go to as many Q and A's as I possibly can, and I feel like there there are just so many times where someone's like, "Why did you set this in the '90s?" And they're like, "We didn't want to have to deal with cell phones." And I'm like, "That's not going to work forever," and especially when you're dealing with like people my age or, you know, under the age of 25 or anything, ignoring cell phones is like, that would just be such a disservice to our experiences. Um, so that was like another big thing where like I wanted to make phone screens, like more like video games and interactive. And so instead of seeing someone's Facebook page, like someone will pop up and describe their Facebook page or instead of swiping on Tinder and just watching someone do that, the girls like physically pushing the guy left or right um and that just yeah it felt natural to how we experience what's happening on our phones yeah and i think i think it's yeah. great that that you embrace that challenge rather than run away from it um and from what i've read i think that's a big part of the success of the story overall as well yeah and i think that's definitely that's definitely what got it more attention because the story is is not that new i mean i was i was writing this before blockers and book smart and all those movies had come out yet which is like it's been really amazing to see more like female sex comedies coming out but i was largely basing this on the fact that like super bad is one of my favorite movies i wanted a female super bad and i wanted it to be set in the 21st century and have all the typical like you know phone texting everything online dating uh, elements to it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that perspective is, is definitely appreciated. And, and thank you for the very easy segue here. Um, I want to talk about your influences, um, and how, um, you sort of develop your passion, uh, for telling stories in this medium, um, beyond super bad, uh, where do you get your inspiration from? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I always, I cite Edgar Wright as one of my favorite directors. And then one of my favorite movies is Little Miss Sunshine. I think it's always like dramedy is my favorite genre. Fleabag is like everyone's favorite recently. And I just am in awe of Phoebe Warbridge. Um, and beyond that, I really do love music videos. And like uh, when you guys do see Crushed, 
it there's like so many music things and a lot of the songs are like from friends that I know so like young musicians um and yeah so I'd say <laughs> yeah Edgar Wright uh Phoebe Waller-Bridge music videos very cool um I definitely echo that sentiment I'm a huge fan of the show and of hers um I recently convinced my wife to get into it, who I'm not sure why she was reticent to check it out. Maybe just too much hype. Uh, but now she is, you know, full on addict dying for season oh, really? three That's to emerge. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's very easy to like, um, another thing that you mentioned that I think is really important for our community to learn more about, um, is how you used feedback screenings as you called them, um, to make crushed better. Um, you know, I mm-hmm. don't, I don't know if our listeners know, but this is a uh, a practice that goes way back, um, uh, certainly as far as, as someone like Hitchcock, who would host these previews of his films. And as the audience is watching the film, he's watching the audience. And mm-hmm. it helped him develop his stories and what he put on screen, um, you know, understanding how the audience reacted to different things. So um, what did these feedback screenings look like and, and why were they useful to you? Yeah, so the first one we had was February, I actually think it was Valentine's Day, February 2018. And that was, I went to my high school in New York because I looked up theater prices that are really <laughs> expensive in New York. <laughs> um, so my high school was really generous and they hosted a screening. That was like 200 people, which I was wow. very... Uh, I was shocked that that many people, or maybe it was like 150, but it was, there was a lot of people and that was great. That was the first screening. And then from there, as I continued to edit the movie, we would have at like my mom's office, I would have like, you know, 10 to 20 people come see it. And these are people who had seen it before or they're fresh to it. Um, and I would usually have like a series of questions. Eventually I ended up, then I co-edited like the last two months I worked with another editor who really helped us get to what was the final cut. Um, and, you know, we had a day of pickup shoots in New York. Um, I added an animated component to explain certain things. And again, all these, like all these things, these were not in the original script, like the movie itself didn't change, but it was just, there were confusions that we didn't, we weren't able to get in production and finding creative ways to make that, make the story work. And I think that that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask, you know, was, was this in some ways like letting the audience kind of help dictate the story, but that's not the case. The audience was just revealing things that you could do better to tell the story. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this all stems from, I should say, like, uh, my cousin, Jim Schultz is a music editor and a music supervisor and editor. Uh, in LA so he's done a bunch of stuff and he he saw like the first first cut and he was the one who was like you know you have a real movie here but you really need to like you need to take the time in post to make it what it should be and I'm just so grateful for that because it it really I knew the movie it could be and I was so excited about it and I knew what we had and I was I believed in it, but I also knew that it wasn't coming through the way that I knew it could or it should. And so he was the one who was like, you need to have feedback screenings, you need proper like sound, all this stuff. And yeah, so it was like 15 months of post-production, obviously, you know, while I was also working other jobs and, um, you know, we did crowdfunding to get more money. 
uh, and do those feedback screenings. Yeah. Wow. And, and I, I, it's such an important lesson for our listeners to hear is that patience that you exercised when I'm sure there's a huge part of you during that process that's like, I just want to wrap this thing up and get it out there to the world. <laughs> and, and that is, look, the, when you're young, you know, you don't always see how important the process is, or you don't always have that patience. Um, and yet, it's a really big part of, of this art form. And I think just hearing it from you and then also coupling it with, hey, it really worked out in the end. You know, this is my most well-received film. Um, I think that's really terrific for you to be able to share. Uh, and, and I want to use that as a transition into my next question, which is tell the emerging high school filmmakers who are listening to this and their teachers and, and whoever else, um, what is it like pitching to Netflix? That just seems terrifying oh and exciting. <laughs> um, it was very terrifying and very exciting. Um, yeah, I, don't, I mean... So I should say when, when Crush got into Tribeca, I was really lucky that uh, Tribeca also has Tribeca Productions and they, you know, they saw the movie, they liked it. And they were like, hey, have you thought about this as a TV show? And I was like, yes, I have. Um, and that's sort of just been like months of figuring that out. Um, so I went in with Tribeca Productions, um, which is great. And they really like coached me through the pitch process. Uh, there are like a number of ways Obviously, I would not say that I'm an expert on any of it, but from my understanding, there's a number of ways you can go pitch something. Um, but yeah, most of the time it is, you know, you're, it's a verbal pitch. You're walking them through the story for about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just an insane place to go. I was like fully like shaking <laughs> the whole time. And then it was just, but then I got into the story and, you know, I'm, obviously like I'm not going to pitch something I'm not passionate about. So once I get to talking about it, I'm super excited. And that, that part was really fun. Um, and it was cool to like get their questions and, um, yeah, I mean, I just, it, it's crazy. It was crazy. And I, how many, yeah. I mean, how many, so you're sitting at a table, like a conference table somewhere. How many people are in the room with you? Um, so I had had one initial meeting with them, just like a general meeting where we just like talked about it. And that was four people from the Netflix team. And then, and hopefully I, I assume it's fine for me to be talking about all this, I think, but, uh, yeah, so it was four people from the Netflix team and then, um, two people from Tribeca and this time it was three people from Tribeca and three people from Netflix. And so like Tribeca is sitting with me on my side of the table and then, Netflix is across from me and I was very lucky where it was like all female executives, which is really cool. I'm, you know, I'm pitching, uh, the, the crush show essentially. And it's, you know, all the female main cast with like, you know, talking about sex and intimacy and all that stuff. So it's fun to have all women sitting across from you. Um, yeah. I think uh, it was like a stranger things conference room. So there was like a big stranger things like decal on the window. And then there's like a huge Irishman poster, like right behind me, like on, you know, 10 story Irishman poster. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very cool. And not intimidating at all. I'm sure. Um, no, not at all. No, <laughs> no standard to compare yourself to. Um, I, I think Boxed it's water. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it's amazing that um, you, that, you're in a room full of women. Um, I, I know that that's a, a big part of your work as it, as it should be. And as, as rightfully, 
um, your claim to make um, to tell these stories about women. Um, but I, 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 I'm hearing that more. Um, I've been seeing it since when you first started submitting films all the way back in 2013. I don't see the, the ceiling being as high as it is in quote unquote Hollywood because we allow for equal representation, you know, and it's, it's an open playing field, mm-hmm. but obviously we know there are still challenges, uh, many challenges to, to be faced, but I, I think that's, that's really great. And obviously it's filmmakers like you and, and the kind of stories that you're telling that are helping to make those changes possible. Um, and I, I won't push you anymore on, on the Netflix thing. I don't want to get you in trouble. Um, <laughs> I, I know that they're probably very happy and lucky to be working with you. Um, so let me let me just ask some other sort of rapid fire questions here. Um, why do you do this? Like, why do you feel like this is your calling to make movies? Um, where does that come from? That's a great question. I think I'm just obsessed. I just don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what else I'd be doing. <laughs> Which is not to say I don't have other interests or passions, but, um, yeah, I think I, I just, I grew up on TV. I don't know if I should be answering this more rapid fire. Yeah. I was no, no, you're stuff. fine. You're fine. When did you first start making movies? Um, I was probably like 12. And, you know, from then I had, I had the, the second I had a, Mac, like my family had a Mac desktop that had a camera on it and I would film me and my friends and then I would just, I mean, obsessively like edit together. We would, I like tried to copy a Starburst commercial and then I did like an SNL digital short type thing. And then, you know, just, we would do a music video and it's just like, that's what I always, I just always wanted to do that. I don't know why I was so obsessed, but I was. Does it feel like work when you're working on these projects? What's the balance between just being a part of you um, and being like really hard work? I would say 95% of the time, it does not feel like work. Like it's funny because people I have, I've had so much travel in the last year because of festivals for crushed. And then I've been back and forth to LA and it'll be like, if I'm telling someone I don't really know, it's like, Oh, I have to go to LA and like, Oh, is it work or, or, um, or just vacation. And I say work because it is a work trip, but I really, it does not feel like that. I'm like, I'm so lucky that like, I, I just, I can't believe it um, that I'm like getting to do that. Uh, but the things that feel like work, like even like this morning I was dealing with like ENO, which is errors and emissions insurance for crushed before we can do our distribution deal. And then, you know, I was also dealing with an M&E mix like all this stuff that I did not know before this. So that stuff, the paperwork, which is, it largely falls to me, um, that feels a little bit like work, but I'm also grateful that I am in that position to have to do it. Absolutely. Um, ditto with running a film festival, obviously watching the films, working with creative people. Um, that part is an absolute joy, but you know, there's a business side to anything. And, um, it's a means to an end. Uh, I look at it that way. And I, I think it seems like you have a, a really good perspective on all of that as well. What, when I remember this is this kind of maybe a little bit weird, but I remember um, back in 2013 uh, when we announced our official selections and, and this was just a little baby of sort of what it has become uh, for young filmmakers. 
I remember because you were a New Yorker, your mom like coming to our offices and, <laughs> and picking up your tickets. And she was so excited. And I and your film sort of has that family element to it. And I, I get the sense uh-huh. that a lot of your work comes from a very personal place, like most uh, writers and creatives. Um, but what what was it like? I don't know, maybe as a New Yorker, but just in general, like attending All American. And and I will say we were we were very small and and really just kind of figuring it out that first year. Um, but but you were there. Um, I, you said it meant a lot to you and just giving you confidence. Anything else? I mean, were there relationships formed there? Uh, what did it mean to you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I will just say my mom is an angel. My mom did craft service on Crush. She came to Ohio and took a month off of work. And she's definitely a huge reason as to why I like <laughs> have also confidence to keep going. And she's not, she's a harsh critic. Like she tells me when, something bad um uh but then yeah in terms of all-american high school film festival like yeah i i i tracked like a few of like stephen boyer and sachin uh-huh. i've tra- like i've i've kept track of a few people just really via like instagram like we follow each other i haven't i i had stephen was gonna score a short film i did like four years ago that didn't end up working out um but it was just really cool, like the energy of it. And like, I know that, yeah, it was small, like, as you say, or I guess compared to what it is now, but it was, it was in Times Square. Like we had, you had a whole floor of like that huge movie theater and just the energy of like all these other young filmmakers and seeing, I think was Steven's film called Time Machine or something? Uh, Paradigm. There's a, Paradigm, t- there's a time it machine. The, yes. The time machine in it paradigm and i was like this is so good and i mean i looked at crush and i was like this is shit compared to this <laughs> which is just me uh but anyways like and it was just yeah i mean it, it was just so exciting and i had i was lucky that i was in a film fellowship before that in new york which gave me access to other enthusiastic you know filmmakers my age um so that's cool and like programs and things like that uh but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm so happy that it's continued to grow because I know how much it meant to me. Well, we, um, I appreciate it. And I, I love that you said, you mentioned the energy because I think that that's sort of the momentum that you were able to ride and, and so many others are able to, to ride. Um, and that doesn't come from, you know, our, us. I mean, sure, we provide the places and, and we, we plan for it, but that energy comes from so many like-minded young artists being together and saying, Hey, you know, there, there is support here. There is a community here and, and everybody needs that. So I think that's a great, um, compliment from you. And, and, and I thank you. Um, so I, I guess as we sort of wrap up the conversation here, and I, I feel like I could talk to you for days, uh, but <laughs> that's not the way a, a, a podcast a works. Podcast works. Right. I so <laughs> I guess let's, let's see if we can wrap with, um, you're doing this, you know, you're, you're living the dream. You may not even realize it because you're so busy, but it seems like you do. And what advice do you have for, you know, the young Emily's out there who are listening to this and saying, I'm like her, I want to be in her place when I'm eight years removed from the all American. Um, what advice do you have for the young filmmakers who might be listening? I think my, my like shorter thing would just be like, you know, passion, persistence and patience. It's like, I have to continue doing that for like, uh, with everything and, you know, make the thing that 
you have to make. And what, like, what is the story that you need to tell? It's probably something that you're dealing with internally that you need to get out there. And if it's coming from that place, I think other people are going to be excited about it. Um, and just try to follow that and try to meet people, form your communities, um, make friends, whatever city you're in, it doesn't really matter. You don't have to be in New York or LA. You can make something and you can get it, get a short into a film festival or maybe it gets a staff pick on Vimeo, apply to all American high school film festival. Like those, having those laurels or whatever, whatever, all of those will build up to something. And I know that all the past things that I've had were able to make it possible for like, you know, Canon to give me free equipment for my feature because I had something like that already on my name. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I think it's fantastic advice. And I, I think that, you know, for everyone listening, if you're going to follow in the footsteps of someone pursuing their passion, I think Emily Cohn is a great example of that. Um, and Emily, before, um, oh, before I officially wrap here, um, where, how can people stay tuned for information about Crushed? Because we talked about it quite a bit. Look, the film premiered at Tribeca. Go online and look up CRS. Help me spell this. C R S. Yeah, it's crushed with no vowels. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know it's confusing. Crushed. No, it's. I mean, it's quite clever at the same time. Uh, so, crushed with no vowels. How can they keep uh, you know in tune in tune to when this is available so that they can check it out? Yeah. Um, definitely. Like you can go to my like follow me on Instagram or follow the movie on Instagram. I'm Emily Serene S A R A N E on Instagram. Um, it's my middle name. But I should, people have told me I need to change that, but I haven't yet. Or you can follow the movie, which is Crushed Movies, again, no vowels. Or also you can visit my website and sign up for my newsletter, which will then, it'll go right into your inbox. Um, I send out other stuff about things I'm making. And also I should say, like, you know, if you do watch the movie, if you see anything else of mine, like my email is on my website, write me an email. Um, I've had, I, I like talking with young filmmakers. Um, I also know that, like, I did that a lot as a young filmmaker, the people who inspired me. I would just, you know, try my shot and try to connect with them. And especially, like, now when we're all just, you know, we're all figuring it out. I think it's it's nice to be in touch with people. Um, yeah. Well, that's a very generous offer. Um, and I, I highly encourage everyone to subscribe to the newsletter. Um, I find it quite um exciting when I get those in my inbox and, and get to check out what Emily is up to now. So, um, thanks thank again, you. of course, thank you for joining us, Emily. Um, and thank you for an insightful glimpse into your experiences and motivations as a storyteller. I encourage all of you to check out Emily's work. There will be links in the description. And I remind you that this is just one of many in-depth conversations with the future of film. Please go to hsfilmfest.com for more information on the All-American High School Film Festival. And please subscribe and share across all platforms to support our important community of artists. See you next time.